Welcome back, everyone, to another episode here of All Things Football. We got it going for you today. Coming off 4th of July, one of the greatest celebrations we have here in America. Chase, how we feel? I'm feeling great. You know, just had to go back to work today from the 4th of the holiday weekend, watched some fireworks, played some golf, you know, ate out, barbecued, it, you know, perfect holiday. So, you know, it makes me miss football just a little bit less when you have a holiday like that in the middle of the summer. I love it. It's good. It's killer, though, when it's on a Tuesday. Uh, all day yesterday, it felt like a Saturday, and you had to wake up and go back uh-huh. to work this morning. It was like, ah, oh. but it's okay. Any day off of work is a great day, so I will yes. take it and won't complain. You still got all, all of your fingers? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Didn't, didn't shoot year. off any fireworks this year, just watching them. Gotcha. Another year with all 10. That's good. Every year, it's I always put myself in jeopardy. I don't know why, but... No JPP incidents this uh, time. <laughs> none, none, none this year. So we're safe. Perfect. We're safe for another 364 days. Um, but I hope you guys had had a good Fourth of July and celebrating America and everyone stayed safe out there. Um, Chase, um, what do we got today? Oh, we got we got just a little bit of league news followed by. We're going to break down the most important players to the rosters, excluding the quarterbacks, because we all know that they're the most important here on all things football. Then we're going to talk head coaches and then round it out with some last season stat stat leaders. See if we get the over under, see what we're feeling for them going into the next season. Oh, that sounds good, Chase. Let's go ahead and get started here. This is all things football. Okay, so not a lot going on. Uh, this was trending around on the Twitterverse, um, so I thought we'd just kind of talk about it here. That's apparently that Patrick Mahomes' average length of touchdown passes this past season um, was four and a half air yards. Is this a big deal? Is this no big deal? Is this Mahomes, Dinkin, and Duncan? What are your thoughts here on that? Um, if you know, if this is a couple other quarterbacks, I say maybe Dinkin and Duncan. You know, you know, I've I've kind of been a, critical of some Dinking and Dunking teams in the past on this podcast, but uh, I think this is just Pat taking what he's got. Right? They're playing him too high, sometimes three high safety looks. That you know, uh, a couple of years ago, that was going around. Is that's how you know that's how to stop Pat Mahomes, two high safeties. So I think he's just found out how to beat that. It's just hit the under guys, and he didn't. And the other thing to think, he did lose his field stretcher this offseason in Tyreek Hill. McCole Hardman got hurt halfway through it. MVS didn't really come alive to the playoffs. Travis Kelsey's great. There's no field stretcher down the field with the speed. You know, he's no burner. So maybe that maybe that's a little bit Andy Reid designing up. You know, for what they had available. But I don't think this is much of a big deal. Pat Mahomes led the league in touchdown passes, which we'll talk about later in the episode. So I think he was fine. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I I, I agree. I've been kind of critical of some quarterbacks for dinking and dacking. I mean, um, dinking and dunking. Um, but um, when when you look at, it, I think um, you know, every case I think is different. I think it's important to notice that, and I think exactly what you said. Um, I mean, at some point, you just have to take what the defense gives you. And Mahomes and, you know, Andy Reid have been able to figure that out. You know, the year before this past season, they struggled um, because they were trying to keep going for those long shots and doing it. And, you know, they struggled. Um, Obviously, they're still able to have a successful season. But, you know, it was, 
you know, it was struggling, right? It wasn't kind of what we were used to. Um, and in this past season, obviously, it still wasn't what we were used to, but they were finally able to do it where they were able to lead the league in yards, lead the league in points, obviously win the Super Bowl. They were able to figure it out. Honestly, all that matters is winning. That's all that matters. Do whatever you have to do to win, um, and and that's it, right? At the end of the day, you're Super Bowl champs, and so who cares, you know, if that was four and a half yards or, or 19 and a half yards. Um, but it just goes to show you as well, in the red zone is the hardest, it's the hardest place to score in the red zone. And Mahomes had 34 red zone touchdowns. So nobody's doing it better than Mahomes. And so you can say that's, you know, taking in a Duncan, you can say that, you know, there's short balls and stuff like that. Regardless of the fact is, is that you're scoring in the red zone, which is what you're supposed to do in the red zone. So I don't really care. I don't really care how you're doing it. So um, I think this is, you know, something in, and I don't blame them, right? Um, you know, to kind of go after Mahomes and kind of say, you know, that stat is a little bit kind of misleading to where it is kind of just dunking it off and, you know, having the receivers kind of do the rest of the work and not really throwing the ball down the field. And and, and I get it to some extent. Um, but like I said before, at some point you just have to give, you know, take what the defense gives you and make the most of it. And, and he clearly did. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's funny you say, you know, we I agree with you that Pat Mahomes struggled with that a couple of years ago, and they're still the one seed in the AFC championship, you know, game. So it's just funny the struggle that the Chiefs will have for the next couple of years is is not going to the Super Bowl the game before. Is <laughs> losing so, an arrowhead for the AFC championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's just too funny. But yeah, I think Pat Mahomes is gonna be just fine. Yeah, it's and it's it's I mean, Mahomes kind of set himself up for for these kind of top, you know, conversations, if you will, just by being so good right out of the gate. So yeah. like whenever you have an MVP season, your first year of starting anything less than that, which is like in would be some of these other quarterbacks, best career season ever is a, you know, a, a, a career low for him is still freaking phenomenal, but because he's already set the standard so high, it's like, Oh, what, you know, always oh, falling off or, you know, whatever it is. So, um, but yeah. You know, it's it's kind of just silly to talk about at this point to say anything negative about about Mahomes. So I don't, I don't think this is a negative in, in any way. I think it's um, figuring out how to win, um, and that's what the best teams do in the NFL. Is regardless of what they're presented, they find ways to win. And so if that's only throwing four and a half air yards, so be it. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't like he also led the league in passing yards. Oh wait, he did. Oh wait, <laughs> and. The problem True. with dinking and dunking, <laughs> the problem with dinking and dunking is when it hurts you, like the, I've been critical of the Chargers in the past, Herbert has the arm to not dink and dunk. And he's put in, you know, and he's got these wide receivers, with Mike Williams, you know, down ball receiver, and they still use dink and dunking to Keenan Allen and, and then that tight end they had there for a while, Jared Elver and Alston Eckler. That's where dinking and dunking hurts you when it, when it goes against what your quarterback can do. He's dinking and dunking in the red zone where he could only get what stone 4.5 average yards in the red zone. You know, he, he can't go any farther in the, in the, it's a touchdown, you know, true. <laughs> true. The, the closer you get, you limit yourself to how, how far you can throw the ball. So that's a, I mean, that's another good point. When you're in the red zone, you can only, the, the harder, the farthest you can throw is 20 yards. Right. And that's only yeah. if you're at the, the 20 yard line. 20 exactly. Yard line. So, yeah. So, yeah, Mahomes is number one, and on this podcast, he'll stay number one until it's obvious he's not. Yep, I agree. So, 
Well, that's kind of the only league news here that we have going around. The only other league news is still kind of that the Buffalo Josh Allen Bills drama. He was on Bustin' with the boys and kind of made some comments that the media was blowing it out of proportion. So we don't have to go into that. We kind of already talked about it. But I'll say this. The only reason why we were talking about it is because your head coach, Coach McDermott, said it was very concerning. That's the only reason why anybody is talking about it was because he made it the big deal. So... Yeah, I wonder if McDermott, you know, we kind of talked about this already, but I wonder if McDermott, you know, all publicity is good publicity, you know, gets his name out there, you know, in this offseason where it's everyone's catching, you know, the stories, trying to get the clicker. The Bills have been in, you know, between this and then the Madden cover and, you know, you couldn't turn on the TV without seeing the Bills' name. So who knows about that? Yeah, who knows? I think, yeah, I think he, he made a mistake. He knew he tried to walk it back and once – once the genie's out of the bottle in the NFL, you just you can't get it back. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. There's there's too many there's too, too many sports medias, you know, between Fox and ESPN and um, you know guys like us um, that that are always watching and listening and and they'll take especially in this cycle they'll take anything that they can and run with it. But when you say words such as very concerning, <laughs> like th- then it becomes a topic. If you're just like oh yeah you know you must practice you know we're dealing with it like oh. Well, okay, whatever. It's mini camp. I could really could care less. Whatever you throw in, very concerning. Very concerning. It's, it's very concerning. It's like, well, if you are the head coach saying this is very concerning, obviously there's something going on that means more. That's not just a kind of little disagreement. That's not him just taking the day off or whatever. Like that's that becomes actually concerning whenever you're saying something that's concerning, right? So. I don't think the media or anybody was blowing it out of proportion. I mean, we, we talked about where we said we think it is. It is being kind of blown out of proportion. But the reason why is because of those words used by their head coach. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it. But, yeah. So no other really um, league news here uh, to talk about. So um, let's go ahead and get into this topic right here, Chase. So here we are going to talk about which player – is most important to their team. And we specifically mentioned, I know Chase said this in the opening, that we're excluding quarterbacks because obviously they are the most important position. So non-quarterbacks, which player is most important to their team? Um, I got two here for you, Chase. I'll let you go ahead and go first. Give me give me one that you got. All right. I have, let me see. I've got San Francisco 49ers, Nick Bosa. His first year there, they went to the Super Bowl. He got hurt his second year. They ended up picking third overall. I know they traded up to get that. But they were still a top 10 pick without trading up, right? They were really bad that year. And then all of a sudden he's back. They're in the playoffs and the, you know, and then NFC championship is third year or fourth year. So it's just no third year. So it's crazy. You know, he is that defense is phenomenal and he is a big part of that. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. They, um, they they got a stud there, and Nick Bosa. And he's about to break the bank here when he when he signs that extension, yes. and, and deserve deservedly so. Um, I got another pass rush year for you on my if if um I don't know how I don't know how this happened I don't know how I got on the Steelers hype train I don't know how it happened but I'm I, I I'm on the Steelers hype train but regardless I've always loved this specific player T J Watt. I'm on the TJ Watt hop train. I've been on the TJ Watt hop train. Um, but I think he, I think not only is he the, I personally think he's the best defensive player in football. Uh, 
include, you know, and that's better than Aaron Donald, better than Miles, any better than Nick Bosa. I think he is the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, and this is why, and this is why he's the most important to their team. So when TJ Watt plays at least 50% of the defensive snaps, at least 50%, their record is 17 and five. When TJ Watt plays less than 50%, they are one, 10 and one, meaning it is nearly impossible out of 12 games. They've only won one. It is nearly impossible for them to win without TJ Watt playing meaningful snaps. It's literally almost impossible. So to me, that's just mind blowing to well, one player can have that. That's not quarterback can have that big of an effect on their team where if TJ Watts out, it's a sure guarantee just based on the stats, right? Based on what we've seen on a 12 game span that they're going to lose the football game. And so you can almost literally, you can, I would feel 99.99% confident if TJ Watt is ever out, just marking that as a loss because of, because of these statistics. Yeah, no, I get, uh, I had TJ Watt as one of mine down here. He is, you know, very important to that Mike Tomlin, Pittsburgh Steelers team. And I'm going to hit you. I'm going to go, Opposite conference, opposite side of the ball. I'm going to go a team that we are both not very high on, but Derrick Henry for the Tennessee Titans. I think if Derrick Henry plays bad, that Titans team doesn't have anything going for them. Their defense at times was good, other times not good at all. They drafted they drafted a quarterback last year that they decided to not let throw the ball. I think it came out, Vrabels even told him to stop throwing the ball. It, because he was uh, in Willis and then they drafted uh, Levis this year. And, you know, we, we both know if you've been watching the podcast, we're not, we weren't too high on Levis. We wish him the best, but we don't think he's going to work out. I think that team's offense thrives on running the ball and Derrick Henry does it better than anyone. And also that defense thrives on not being on the field all the time, right? They, they looked really good when they had it long, when Tennessee's offense had long stretches where they were pounding the, the rock with Derrick Henry and then they could come out there in fresh legs late in the games when they got wore out they were done for it was like Swiss cheese scoring on them so I think he is very important for that honestly even if we're excluding even non-excluding quarterbacks I think Derrick Henry is the most important for that team uh, yeah, I wouldn't really, I really wouldn't fight you on that one they've definitely made him the focal point of the offense and for good reason um, for good reason. So um, I'm sticking here on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but um, in the NFC, I'm going with um, your favorite team. Uh, and one of your favorite players, Justin Jefferson. Oh. Um, I don't know of any, any current player right now that I can think of. Maybe you can think of and correct me. That is, is, on the offensive side of the ball is more of a focal point in their offense than Justin Jefferson is to the Vikings as of right now. Um, I, I was trying to think about it. I'm thinking ah, maybe Travis Kelsey and the chiefs, you know, maybe Devonte Adams and the Raiders, but I just kept coming back to, to Justin Jefferson as, as being the, the absolute focal point of, of that offense. Um, Kirk cousins had 4,547 passing yards. And Jefferson caught 1,809 of those. That's 40%. 40% of Cousins' passing yards went to one player, Jefferson. I, to me, that's astonishing. 40% of your passes to one player. And so to me, I mean, 
he should be the focal point. I mean, Justin Jefferson is amazing. One of the best wide receivers in the game, for sure. Um, and, and so with, without him, though, like that 40% is, is going to get spread out to a lot more players and not as good of a player. So whenever I, whenever I kind of broke it down like that, him being the focal point of the offense and being as good as he is, uh, I think he's definitely one of the most important players to their teams in the NFL. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I was thinking about him as well. You know, he is very, very talented, and they are making him the focal point. And they even want to make him, even if he's not the focal point with their draft pick, they focus their draft pick, right, and getting not Kirk Cousins, but getting Jefferson help so he can't be double teamed as much as he was last year in drafting Addison, right? There's very rarely do teams, you know, draft another player to help out a, a wide receiver, right? Normally it's, you know, draft bring A.J. Brown to help Jalen Hurts out, not to help Dante Smith. They, you know, the Miami Dolphins brought Tyreek to make the team explosive, but not take the double teams off of Jalen Waddle. This Minnesota stated, their coach stated, they brought this so that they can get one-on-one matchups with, with either Addison or Jefferson. That's crazy. When a wide receiver is dictating how you draft, that's, that's a focal point of your team. And rightfully so. I mean, he's single-handedly made Kurt – you know, Vikings truthers believe that Kirk Cousins is an adequate quarterback. So <laughs> way to go, Jefferson. Right. You got time for one more, Derek? Or Garrett? Oh, of course. All right. I think this one, you know, I think we've seen it because he went down. I'm going back to the defensive side of the ball and I'm picking Buffalo. And I think it's Vaughn Miller. Their, you know, their offense, I think obviously the most important player to that team is Josh Allen. He's 100% of their offense. He's the rushing threat. He's the, the quarterback, the passing threat. But I think that defense didn't have any mojo after Von Miller got hurt, right? They couldn't get to the quarterback, which forced those uh, young cornerbacks and safeties that they had in there to have to cover the wide receivers for longer. And the NFL, we know, we just talked about receivers are hard to cover. Right. So Von Miller was the only one making consistent pressure. And I think that's why they paid him all that money and made him Von Biller not for the bills, but be for the amount that they paid him to put that pressure. I think we just seen, you know, just seeing what the team looked like before the Von Miller injury. And then after the Von Miller injury, that defense was completely different. So I think he's a very, very focal point of that team going forward. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cause I, I wouldn't push back too much on that. Um, because you're right, there was definitely kind of a, a shift when, when he went out, it's just, it's hard to sell that because he, he only, you know, we haven't seen him in multiple seasons with the Bills. Yeah. We only saw him in literally just half a season. So, <laughs> but you can definitely, there's definitely the, the validity to the argument when you see the kind of the difference on, on that defense to see how it, kind of impactful that he was. And so that was definitely, definitely a huge loss because they, they were rolling. But another thing too is with the Bills is that they always, they always do well at the beginning of the season and towards the end of the season, they always fall off. So it's hard for me to correlate that. Oh, is that really because of Von Miller or if that is just sure. Bills being Bills? So. I wouldn't push back too much, um, but I'm not all in on that, kind of like the other ones that, that we've mentioned, um, just to I kind of those reasons. So I, I like to, you know, obviously see how this next season plays out. And then, you know, you know, I guess hopefully we don't have to see the Bills without him, right? I want, you know, yeah. Bob Miller to play. And I think that's good for, for football. Um, but we'll, we'll, but um, I guess I would say I need to lead to more kind of data, I guess, to kind of see what, yeah. it's, what it's like. But uh, I, w- I wouldn't fight you too much on that. Perfect, perfect. Well, yeah, interesting. So let us know there in the comments who you think is the most important player to their team. I know there's some other ones here that we left off that I'm, I'm sure we would agree that are 100% important to their team. Um, but remember, it's not quarterbacks. It's non-quarterbacks. Yeah. Offense, defense, let us know in the comments. 
Now let's pivot here to some head coaching. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the hardest things to do is coach in the National Football League. And one of the reasons why is because every year it, you're on the hot seat. I mean, realistically. I mean, obviously some coaches aren't. They can have a down year and be fine. But realistically, the, the turnover of these head coaches in the NFL now is is great. Like if you're on a, if you're on an NFL team for longer than five years as a head coach, like that's impressive. Um, just because now there's not a lot because we we've, we're in a culture of of we need to win now. Not a lot of teams, not a lot of owners, fans are patient with rebuilds. You have to kind of re, really only get one season to rebuild you get one season to rebuild and then another season on that to basically see if that rebuild worked and if not you're pretty much out the door um we've seen that here recently with a couple of these coaches um when they were you know they were fired and released um and so these new coaches have to come in and start the process rebuild and then you get one season to work off of that rebuild um and if it's not turning in the right direction then you're gone and someone else comes in so it's it's a it's a dog eat dog world out there, but we want to go ahead and rank um, our top five head coaches in the NFL currently right now. Yeah. Um. And so Chase, go ahead and give me your top five head coaches in the NFL right now. Yeah. So I went top five going into next season, right? You know, yep. like you said, right now, not based off what they're past, based off what they can do this season. So I put. Kyle Shanahan is number one. I believe he's the best play caller in the National Football League. Took a Mr. Irrelevant and I believe would have been in the Super Bowl if he would have stayed healthy. Got number two, I've got Big Red, Andy Reid, right? There, you can't argue him and Mahomes. You know, I mean, we've talked about Mahomes at the very beginning. Andy Reid deserves all of that credit, you know, maybe even more in finding Mahomes and, and uh, molding kind of who Mahomes is. Then I've got kind of maybe a shocker pick, but I've got John Harbaugh as number three not not really I, you know i tend to go more offensive guys more of a defensive head coach but i think john harbaugh had success with joe flacco and then he brought in completely different system obviously he didn't completely change the system again he's not the offensive guy but brought in the right people to change the system with lamar and had success with that number four i have your hype train guy mike tomlin I think he, I think you've maybe pulled me over just barely watching the hype train, not on it yet, but just watching it. I think Mike Tomlin is a heck of a head coach. And I think what makes Tomlin such a great head coach is the fact that he asks these people that are complete nutcases, right? Complete divas. And we don't hear about it until they leave. They're not a problem under Mike Tomlin. And then as soon as Mike Tomlin, you know, lets them out from under his wing, they are just, you know, cancer to whatever team they go to. And then, at number five, I got to sh show a little love to Matt LaFleur. You know, as much as they, you know, we don't know how great a coach he is. He had Aaron Rodgers. He took Aaron Rodgers. I think the, uh, the pack, you know, that coach, he's besides this last season, he was 13 and three, his first three seasons, NFC championship game, all three years, number one seed for two of them. I think this guy, well, not three years, I guess he lost in the first round, but he was first seed, second round of the playoffs with Rodgers. But, uh, I think Rogers just ready to go. And I think a lot of that gets pushed back on him, but he kind of brought Rogers out of that slump. And I think he's ready to do it again with Jordan Love. So I've got him at number five. Okay. Okay. Well, let me go ahead and give you mine here and then we'll, um, we'll have some discussion here. So um, for me, number one, 
Um, I went Andy Reid. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, there's arguments and elsewhere and stuff like this, but the the Chiefs are just on top of the world right now, and they have been for the past couple of seasons. So obviously, a big a big reason of that is for Coach Reid. And so Absolutely. I can't not put him put him at at, at number one. Um, but at number two, choo choo, Mike Tomlin. Uh, I put Mike Tomlin as number two, um, and and on you kind of touched on it there. If you weren't going to do it, I was going to do it. Um, we're just speaking it like AB, right? AB was the best, if not no, if not the best, one of the best wide receivers for six seasons there when he played in Pittsburgh, and no one thought anything of it. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he goes to the Raiders. He's this. It's this huge deal, and he's you know getting released and kicked off, and then he's going to the bit. All this different stuff happened as soon as he left Mike Thomas. So the fact that we didn't hear now was that all of a sudden AB going unhinged, or was he always like that? It's hard for me to believe that he all of a sudden something triggered him and he just kind of went off the deep end. If that's not just who he was personally, and somehow Mike Tomlin kept it under wraps. That's that's what I. That's maybe that's just what I'm choosing to believe, but that's just what makes more sense to me. Um, and Mike Tomlin, he's never had a losing season in 16 years. He's never had a losing season. So even if, you know, the team's not good, they still find ways to win and rally around him and to at least get to 500. So I think that that speaks volumes to him as, as a head coach. So I got him at number two. Uh, and then I got Kyle Shanahan at number three. I love Kyle Shanahan so much, uh, because exactly what he said, I love his, his play design is, is amazing. He's able to put really anybody in at the quarterback position and, and do well, like imagine what he would have with like an actual league quarterback. The 49ers would be unstoppable. Like just unstoppable. like if he had Mahomes, if he had Herbert, if he had Allen or, or, or Burrow, like one of those guys at quarterback, I love pretty too. I'm on, I'm a pretty truther, but you know, one of those elite elite guys, like for sure, hundred percent, we know 49ers would be unstoppable. Like, I don't know if they'd ever, if they'd ever lose a game with coupled with that defense. Um, but there's, he 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 struggles in the big games. Um, he 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 kind. I don't want to say chokes, but he his play calling gets sporadic and kind of desperate in big games. We saw it when he was with the Falcons in that Super Bowl loss. We saw it against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, I don't hold anything against him for last year. But um, there, there's been some times in these big games where he goes away with the, goes away from his play calling. Um, and, and kind of gets desperate um, with this play when he doesn't need to, and it affects the team, it affects the game, and, and it's ended in a loss. Um, and so I try not to hold that too much against him uh, because Andy Reid was the same way for a very long time. And it wasn't until finally he kind of got Mahomes that Mahomes has, has been able to overcome that and, and make up the difference because there's still some questionable calls that Reid throws out there um, and that Mahomes is just able to – to save him because Mahomes is yeah. Mahomes. And so if Shannon had that type of quarterback um, in those moments I'm referring to in the past, uh, you know, maybe things are different. Um, yeah. But that's why I have him there at number three. Um, at number four, I have John Harbaugh. I agree with you. He's been successful. He's been a great head coach for as long as I can remember. He's gone through different quarterbacks. He understood. I think he was truly the first head coach to understand to develop the system around the quarterback instead of trying to just find a quarterback to play within a system. I mean, what he did to change the offense, I know he's not the offensive coordinator, but he's the head coach, right? He signs off yeah. on that. Um, so to immediately to take that risk of going back into the first round, grabbing Lamar, knowing you're going to have to change everything and doing it successfully for the most part, right? 
um, is, is, is just great. And it's great hit coaching. Um, and the fact that they were able to, to make the playoffs last year with a third string quarterback, I mean, or I guess second string, but Tyler Huntley, you know, he's, eh. and so, you know, still be there. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. Uh, you're right. My bad. I got to put some respect on his name. Um, gosh, the Pro Bowl's a joke. Um, <laughs> but, um, still puts his team in, in, in position to win and, and, and be competitive. Right. And so got to give him props. And then number five. I've got Dougie P, Coach Doug Ooh. Peterson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, as of right now, coming into the season, I, I mean, we look what he was able to do. Um, obviously, look what he was able to do with the Eagles, right? He was able to win with Nick Foles um, at quarterback against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Um, you know, he was able to coach through that whole thing. Um, he was, I'm not for sure why they let him go. Like, that was really stupid how the Eagles fired him. Obviously, it seems to work out okay. Sirianni seems to be doing an okay job right back in the Super Bowl. Um, but Dougie P, what he's able to do is just chur- change Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville had back-to-back first-round picks. Dougie P comes in, and they're in the playoffs. They're playing in the divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, just one year. So imagine what's going to happen this next year. They're going to have another whole offseason together. They're getting some more key pieces back. More offensive weapons. Uh, I, I'm excited for the Jack. I'm excited for the Jacks this year. But I think Coach Peterson is is a very underrated head coach. And to me, I have him as my oh, as my fifth top five head coach moving into to this next season. Yeah, yeah, I like Dougie P a lot. I had him ranked if you know I I had him ranked seventh, and then I uh, I can't be mad. At, you know, it's funny we got about the same top four head coaches, move them around a little bit, but we've got the same, you know, those are the guys, right? As much as like Mahomes and Herbert and uh, Josh Allen and Burrow, you know, those are the elite elites. These four guys are the elite elite head coaches. And I think there's another tier. I think another coach that we didn't mention that deserves a little love is Pete Carroll. That guy is, you know, a phenomenal head coach. What he did with Gino is crazy. So I, there's another tier, but the top four guys is really where, where the money is to be made. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you mentioned, you kind of mentioned it all. You know, we got the same coach. Uh, you know, you put Andy Reid there with Pat Mahomes. It's hard to argue not, you know, that at number one, uh, Harbaugh, I think we both have him, or you have him four, I have him three. You know, he, we designed the head, you know, like we both said, designing that. And then his Harbaugh's also, you know, he would talk, fo- focused on the offense with Harbaugh, but his defense that he's in charge of is insane literally crazy you know that defense keeps them in games you know keeps them winning games honestly should have beat the the uh the Bengals in the playoff game if someone would have showed tyler hunley that when he qb sneaks he doesn't jump straight in the air that's the worst qb sneak i've ever seen but tomlin you know the magic of the the never losing is you know never losing a season and then you know, you had Dougie P. I had Matt Lafleur because I'm a Packers fan. But about the you know, we think about the same of those. But I wouldn't be mad at sneaking Dougie P. in my five. What he did in Jacksonville, and especially that you know, it came out that I can't wait. You know, they're going to make the thirty for thirty on Urban Meyer's life, and there's going to be a whole episode about Jacksonville. They have to interview Dougie P. How they spent the whole half of this 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 season getting the stink. That's what the word he used, stink, out of Jacksonville. So imagine if he had a whole you know this off season. I. I've got high hopes for the Jaguars this offseason because of that man. Yeah, and I mean the Jags are prime. I mean that division is is ripe for the taking. Possibly, you know, two starting two, you know, rookie quarterbacks for sure. We'll see who the Titans go with, but it, whether it's Ryan Tannehill or or Will Levis there, it's not much of a difference at this point. 
Um, so the Jags are, are, are prime there to um, at least at least for this season, right? We'll see what what happens with you know. I, I know you're big on Anthony Richardson. I, I'm not as big on. I'm I am big on CJ Stroud. So we'll see what happens with, with the Texans. I think the Texans are set up for for some success here in, in the near future, um, but still too early here. Uh, so the Jags are are in a prime. Um, these next two years, I think, is is all is all Jags. A lot will have to go wrong, I think, for Jacksonville to to not win this division at least the next two years. So, I'm excited to see how how they build um, off of next season. Um, yeah. Pete Carroll. That's interesting, to be honest, because I honestly actually didn't think about Pete Carroll at really? all when I was he making was my, my list. Six. When I was going through, I really didn't think about Pete Carroll at all. Um, I, yeah, I'm not, I guess I just really, I mean, he's not a, a bad, I don't think he's, he's a bad head coach. Um, but I don't think he's, um, he's done enough, I guess, you know, we had the Legion to boom, you know, for those couple of years and that was good. But ever since that broke up, the Seahawks, even with Russell Wilson, have not really been relevant ever since they've just been kind of hanging around and stuff like that. So I guess I don't really, I don't, I think he's would definitely be in, in if we're talking about tiers, um, definitely definitely in the second tier for sure. I'd have to put more thought into it. Maybe maybe the third tier, but that might be too far. Um, but yeah, I didn't think about him at all. If I'm being honest, um, in my really? top five, like never never even crossed, never even. Huh. I actually had Brian Dayball cross my mind before over over Pete Carroll. I didn't even think about Pete Carroll. I thought about Brian Dayball one year as a head coach over Pete Carroll. So huh. maybe that's my mistake. Maybe I'm being crazy, but I just um, say. but yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain. I'm the, don't quote me this, but I'm fairly certain Pete Carroll has made the playoffs after that Legion of Boom. I think he made the playoffs two more years after that. I think last season was the first season in a while he didn't. You know, not last season, but the last season with Russ. And I, I think it's kind of evident right now that Pete Carroll was kind of the secret behind Russ's success, and drafting that. You know what he what he did this year with Geno and that defense. Still, you know that defense finding Tariq Woolen. You know drafting him. And just kind of the the amount of of non-star players that playing at star level that Pete Carroll has, right? Jordan Brooks balled out. I know he's a first round pick, but he kind of sat dormant for a couple of years. They had the uh, and uh, Abraham Lucas, their third round pick, step up his right tackle and be one of the best right tackles as a rookie coming in. Charles Cross, his left tackle, just drafted, had a phenomenal draft. You know, who knows where that goes? Just phenomenal draft, according to us, I guess. But one of the best drafts, it, you know, we talked about. And I think just the the amount of, of respect that he, the energy he brings to the sidelines and the, you know, we talked about the Legion of Boom breaking up. He brought that Legion of Boom together. Richard Sherman was not a high draft pick. Cam Chancellor was not a high draft pick. Earl Thomas was not a high draft pick. They were kind of, you know, Bobby Wagner played at Utah State. I know he's a first rounder, but he played at Utah State. Uh, so who knows? You know, there's only been a few good players come out of there. Jordan Love, but so <laughs> I, I think I, Pete Carroll is my honorable mention at six. And probably if I wasn't such a Packer homer, he probably would have been my five. I got a lot of respect and I'm not a big Seahawk fan, but got a lot of respect for Pete Carroll. I mean, I mean, you're right. What am I talking about? He took a picture shirtless with DK Metcalf. He should be number one. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, He's number one on swag charts. Throughout the list. It's, it's it's Pete Carroll. This is he's one through five. It's Pete, Pete Carroll, Pete, Pete. middle name Carroll, whatever he is. He's <laughs> one, one through five. Pete Carroll. 
Another guy that we don't have, I think needs addressed, we don't have on our list at all, is Bill Belichick. You know, historically, probably the greatest coach of all time. Doesn't look so good without Tom Brady. I wonder, you know, here's here's just a little side question. I didn't prep you for this, but side question. If Pete Carroll doesn't win another playoff game without Brady, do we get to say Brady was the reason Pete Carroll's successful? You mean Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick, yeah, I'm sorry. Did I say Pete Carroll? Um, ask, me, ask me the question one more time, sorry. All right. If Bill Belichick doesn't win another Super Bowl without Tom Brady. Super Bowl. Or playoff game, even Super Bowl playoff game. If he hasn't won a playoff game, he's made to one and got embarrassed with Mac Jones, who played pretty good his rookie year. If he can't win another playoff game without Tom Brady, can we say it was Tom Brady that made him successful? Is that a fair statement? Yes. I'm I'm on that. I'm I'm with you. I think Pete Carroll's kind of getting or gosh dang it. I think Bill Belichick is kind of getting exposed. Right. He's he, you know, he, he they gave him the GM rights. He's not surrounding his staff. You know, he's doing with these, you know, a rocket scientist that's never done anything offensively. And Matt Patricia as his offensive coordinator, his drafts the last couple of years have been historically bad. I just think he's he's not the guy we thought he was. I think Brady kind of covered up a lot of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my push, my pushback there is that I, I, I'm thinking along the same lines as well. But when you look at, I mean, the the bill or the Bills, the the Patriots defense is still good. The Patriots defense isn't the problem. Um, it's it's their offense. And so when you look at it, I mean, Brady never wasn't throwing to a bunch of scrubs. Like when you look at Brady's, he always, he had Gronk, he had Amendola, he had Edelman, he had Moss. I mean, Brady played with some pretty legit and legendary receivers that Mac Jones has not played with. Um, they have not been setting Mac Jones up with success. As you mentioned, they haven't even given him an actual offensive coordinator to, to work with. So they haven't really been setting up. So you can argue, you know, okay, that is part of being a head coach. And so that is kind of where it looks bad, but where it's not like Tom, I mean, Tom Brady went to a loaded Buccaneers team. It's not like Tom Brady yeah. went to the Texans and won the Super Bowl. I mean, Tom Brady went from, uh, you know, from one, you know, a team that was loaded for a long time to another loaded team. Like only thing the Bucks were missing was, um, was the quarterback position. The only thing they were missing. And so obviously bringing in the GOAT, Helps fix that. But I mean, but Brady tried to throw that, tried to lose those games. I mean, at that Packers game, he threw three fourth quarter interceptions and the Packers weren't able to, you know, to overcome it. So, I mean, it's not like at home. It, it's, it's, it, you know, there's a lot of different things that went in there. But yeah. um, that, that's my only thing. My pushback is there is they haven't set Mac Jones up with success. And obviously, Brady winning a Super Bowl with the Bucks hurts, hurts that conversation. But Brady went to a loaded team went to a loaded team. Um, and so I, I, I'm still a little bit hesitant to, to pull the trigger on that to say like, oh, it was Brady. It, it definitely is looking more like it, um, but there's a lot of other things going on to where um, it, it's Mac Jones just hasn't been given the tools to really succeed yet. And obviously uh, largely falls upon Bill Belichick as like you said, as the head coach and kind of de facto GM. Um, um, but so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what happens, but they're still not giving him. They're giving him a broken Juju. They're giving him a broken Devonte Parker. Um, that they, they still don't really have, uh, you know, any offensive weapons for him. We'll see with Bill O'Brien, if he's able to come in and work at things out offensively, but now the AFC East is a juggernaut. 
it's it's not looking good for the Patriots here moving forward. And so I think um, I, my question is, I wonder how soon, how long, far away are we from Bill from Belichick just deciding to to hang it up? Because I think, I mean, I don't think his legacy will ever be you know be taken away as six times Super Bowl champ. I don't think you can ever take that away. But there is a point where being unsuccessful for a longer time towards the end of the career can hurt your legacy for a little, can hurt your legacy a little bit. So I wonder how much that's going to affect his decision to continue to be head coach. And it seemed that I don't think is going to be very successful here in, in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Forget how is this affecting LeBron's legacy. Let's talk about throughout this football season. Let's talk about how is this affecting Bill's legacy? Cause if they're, they're last in their division, which I honestly think they will be, their division is not a joke anymore that 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 might be a, a little bit crushing blow, you know, especially the fact that you can't do it with another quarterback. Right. Most of the guys that we listed here, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, they've proved that they can have success outside of their, you know, Tomlin's taken rookie Kenny Pickett and Big Ben who couldn't, you know, stand up right. And then John Harbaugh had Joe Flacco and. And uh, wait, what is his name? Lamar Jackson, Kyle Shanahan, we just seen it had three different quarterbacks this year. And Andy Reid, of course, had success with, you know, in Philly with different quarterbacks, had success in Kansas City with Alex Smith. And of course, has won the big the big one twice with Pat Mahomes. So these quarter, you know, to be a great legendary head coach, which I think Bill already is. But to cement that legacy, he needs to do it with another quarterback, even just be successful. Not, not you know, not big, win a big one. That's hard to do. But he just got to have a success with another quarterback, and he's failed to do that so far. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay. Yeah. So this kind of head coach talk. Um, let me throw. Let me throw one other kind of curveball here at you. So Andy okay. Reid and, and Bill Belichick. Um, at any point, does Andy Reid does he have the uh, is it possible that Andy Reid could ever surpass Bill Belichick as the greatest coach of all time? That's a tough one because it's going to be the same thing with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Is you know Andy Reid's got this great coach, you know, but the, you know it was obvious, you know, he's never won the big one. All of a sudden, he gets the best quarterback from the start, right? MVP rookie season, you know, his first year starting his true rookie season. So it's always going to be: is it Andy Reid or is it Pat Mahomes? So I think there, I think you know, if Pat Mahomes goes and wins, you know, four of them back to back with Andy and Travis Kelsey and all of them, I think there's a question there. But I think this this Pat Mahomes things in legacy talk will always hang over Andy's head. I would agree. I would push back on that. Perfect. All right, enough head coaching talk. So we wanted to to just have some fun here and take a look at the this the leading stat leaders um, of last year. Um, what they had and kind of predict, will they go over that or will they go under that here in the next upcoming season? So pull up some stat leaders here. So we'll start with the big one. Uh, and that was, so Patrick Mahomes led the league with 5,250 passing yards last season. Is he going to hit the over or the under on that next year? I said the under. His first MVP season, he only had 5,000 yards, not 5,250. So I know it's a little bit more than 5,000, but not in the two, you know, the 200 more yards. I think it's hard to get that many passing yards. And the fact that he did it this year, you know, he won MVP, rightfully so. I think uh, after Super Bowl, we've seen, you know, other teams tend to regress just a little bit. I think, 
you know, the Chiefs are going to be just fine. But does that mean that Mahomes is going to go out and throw for 503, you know, 5,300 yards? Probably not. There'll probably be a little bit more balance. Pacheco, they actually have a running back now that they can trust. They're going to be running the ball a little bit more. So, and their defense will be able to stay out in the field a little bit longer. And, and you know, they won't have to get too many shootouts. I believe their defense has really stepped up towards the end of last season. And I'm hoping that they'll hit the ground running. So I, I, I've got the under on that. I think Pat Mahomes will be just fine, but I'm just taking the under. Hmm, under. Um, I, I kind of went the other way. And I, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's tough. Because that's a lot of yards to throw, but I yeah. I went ahead. I'll, I went if it's versus the under or the over. I'm going to say the over, and mm-hmm. and the reason why I'm saying the over is is because I don't have as much faith in the Chiefs' running game as you seem to do with Pacheco. Um, I just I just don't, and and the Chiefs have never had this um, ability, even if the run game is working, to stick with the runs. Um, they always end up throwing, but even if it's, you know, some third and short and it's like, I'll just run the ball here. No, it's some sort of shovel pass underhand that it's, it's, it's always something. And so, but just looking at, at the games that they're going to be in, I mean, this is, this is a hard schedule for the chiefs. Um, it's, it's not an easy schedule. This is one of their toughest schedules that they have. I mean, just looking at it here, um, you know, Jacksonville jets, um, chargers twice, obviously you got the dolphins, you got Philly, Buffalo, um, Cincy, I mean, there's, there's some tough games and there with some heavy hitters. And so I, I think, um, Hey, I'm not too bullish on the defense either. <laughs> um, um, I, I think that, you know, to, to be in these games, Mahomes is going to have to use his arm, what, do what he does best. And there's going to be some games where he's just going to have to completely take it over and just do nothing but throw the ball, um, to keep them in the game. And so that's kind of why I, I, if I have to pick, you know, between the two, I think I, I'd feel more comfortable taking the over, even though it's the same amount of yards, but I just, I just got to take the over. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. And I let, let's, let me clear something up. I'm not a big fan of Pacheco, but I, the chiefs team and their head coach and things, they didn't draft a running back. So I assume that they're big fans of Pacheco. So that's where I, I was going off of that. I don't think Pacheco is, is crazy talented or anything like that, but. Yeah, no, I and I'm I'm not going to give too much pushback on that. You know, I think it's it'd be extremely hard to go over that again. He had an MVP season to do it again. It would be insane. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Pat Mahomes has shown that he is capable of doing it. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and so Patrick Mahomes had the double crown. Not only did he lead the league in passing yards, he also led the league in passing touchdowns with 41, Chase. So does Mahomes hit the over or under of 41 touchdown passes? Now, believe it or not, I said over. Pat Mahomes is notorious for throwing touchdown passes. That you know what what really put him on the map is the fact that he had almost fifty. I think he did hit fifty, right? Fifty one yeah, in the regular. Yep, fifty. And in his you know first MVP season. So I think this is over. They drafted Rasheem Rice, who's going to be a nice red zone threat for them. He's a taller jump ball receiver. So uh, I, I I said over, right? I think when they get in there, kind of like you just said. When they get in the red zone, it's not running the ball. They are doing the dink, you know, the dinking and dunking that we talked about earlier. You know, the underhand pass that he's got, the scoop pass to Travis Kelsey or whoever it may be. So I think Mahomes is going to throw some more touchdowns this next season. Yeah, I'm with you on the over on that one. Just just for all you said, um, it's it's a primarily passing offense. Um, Every down is a passing down, no matter how short it is, and especially when they get into the, especially when they get into to the red zone. There, they're they're looking at, at throwing the ball. So I don't think it's crazy. I mean, the the, the dude's just a touchdown machine. I, even even when you look at it this year, um, 
it's uh, or this past year. I mean, forty one um, seems seems pretty low when you're looking at Mahomes. I don't know why. I mean, he has always had forty, and there's been some where it's like thirty eight and stuff like that. But those were just seem like down years. And so, um, I think um, as I said before, just the strength of schedule that they have. I think you know touchdowns are going to need to be scored, and so um, I, I think it's safe to pick the over. I, I'd bet on that for sure. Yeah. Rushing yards, we had Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. He had 1653 rushing yards, led the lead. Chase, over or under? Under. I'm smashing the under. Josh Jacobs in contract year going off. You know, they, I know he's on another contract year, just got franchise tagged. Josh Jacobs is not that guy. There's a reason he's never been that guy before. He had a great contract year. We've seen it before, you know other running backs or other, even other positions have done this. I'd be surprised if Josh Jacobs even sniffed around this next year and the Raiders bad team, bad offensive coordinator. They don't, who, who's their quarterback. They might be running the ball a lot, but I'm not a fan of Josh Jacobs. And I don't think he'll, you know, that leading the league this year, I surprised, you know, actually I forgot that he did it. And when I assumed it was Nick Chubb, when I looked into it and then I seen it was him, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. A lot of garbage time touches. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, they do ball out, like you said, but it's, it's hard to, to replicate that, especially when we haven't seen it before. Um, and so I, I'm definitely hitting the under on that, especially because, you know, maybe he doesn't play on the franchise tag. He says he doesn't want to play, then it's impossible to hit the over. Um, yeah. but definitely, definitely under for sure. Um, definitely under for sure. Um, rushing touchdowns, um, Jamal Williams. Um, with the Lions had 17 rushing touchdowns. He is now with the Saints, over or under? Under. And there's really only one reason. Is Jamal Williams got those because he came in on the goal line back, right, for that high-flying Lions last year that uh, Jared Goff would get the ball and they'd seem to just fall down at the one-yard line and Jamal Williams come in and pound the ball. Well, down in New Orleans, they already have a goal line back under the name of Taysom Hill, who they give all the goal line touches to. So I don't know where this guy's going to fit in. Being real, though, Jamal Williams, heck of a season. He was a Packer for four years. You know, he's got one, some of the best control with the ball. I don't. I think he's recorded like two fumbles in this whole, you know, five seasons or six seasons, whatever he's in. But I, he's not getting 17 touchdowns next year. Oh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, 17 touchdowns is insane. Um, and it's one of those things where it has to be set up where you're literally only getting goal line carries. Um, and, and punching in right. So doing what you're supposed to do, great, great for fantasy, right? 17 touchdowns. Um, but to be able to replicate that is is just insane. Um, and especially like you said, whenever you're competing with another player, that's kind of like that. But there's just there's just no way that you can get up to 18 rushing touchdowns. There's 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 no way. Yeah. Not 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 anymore. Not anymore. No. Um, receiving yards. Justin Jefferson had 1,809 over or under. I said under, and I, I thinking about this, I might want to change it over, but I'm going to stick with my under for now. And I, they're bringing in a new wide receiver. You know, Jefferson's going to get double to triple teamed. Kurt's going to look to get the ball out fast. That offensive line, who knows if they can step up a little bit, but they kind of looked a little worrisome towards the end of the season there. And uh, Kurt's not that guy. So the fact that he got, we already talked about 40% of the, the touches, I think Jordan Addison is going to eat into some of that yards. And, you know, he had, what, 200 yards week one against the Packers. Well, just uh, Jahir Alexander has already told him that was not going to happen again. And I believe that. 
I don't think he's he, he's going to face harder teams, harder schedule. Instead of the third place schedule, he gets the first place schedule now. He's not he's not having you know a a career year like he did last year. He's going to still have a great season. You know he'd be my first overall pick in fan well second overall pick in fantasy. I think he's going to be fine, but maybe just slightly under this. Who's your first? Christian McCaffrey. Makes sense. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm taking the under at exactly what you said. I think I don't think Addison by you know is anything close to him as a wide receiver, but he is a dynamic player, and so adding him to be able to to take that away, even though it might help Justin Jefferson in the long run, um, will take that percentage of of, of per, you know percentage of throws away from him, um, and so it won't be it won't be as much. But he's I mean he he pushes this around every single year, so it wouldn't surprise me if somehow it hit over. Um, but I, I would I feel more comfortable putting under on that. Um, receiving touchdowns, Devontae Adams in Las Vegas led the league with 14 last year. Chase, does he hit the over or the under? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say the under right now because we're still unsure about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. But I honestly, if Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, I could see him hitting the over. Jimmy Garoppolo is notorious for targeting one player over and over again in the red zone. He likes to fall in, you know, in, the, in San Fran, it was uh, George Kittle. He had a really good connection with him, just fed him the ball. Who's better than the best red zone threat in the NFL? And uh, Devontae Adams, he led the league in touchdown passes with Brett Hundley. So, you know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not the – or touchdown catches, sorry. Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Brett Hundley. So I'm actually going to say over. I think he can do it. Devontae Adams is still the number one wide receiver in the league. Jefferson, you know, gets all the hype and rightfully so. He's a really good player, number two, but Devontae is that guy. Gotcha. I want I wanna say I'm gonna I wanna hit the under on that. Uh I mean 14 touchdowns is is quite a bit of touchdowns to have in a season. And um I just um I just don't think the offense is gonna be dynamic. I it might work because he'll definitely be the focal point. They don't really have anybody else. I mean they have Hunter Rimfro, who I don't you know, I like he's okay, but he's um Missed a lot of time lately and just kind of hasn't been out there. Darren Waller is gone, so the focal point might really lean on to Devontae Adams more than it has been. Um, but that doesn't always always mean a good thing for the offense. Whenever they already know he's the best player on their team, um, and if there's really no other option, you know, to go to, you know, they're going to force it to him. And so I think it might be tough for him to to sniff that 14 mark. So I'm going to put the under on that. Yep, I understand that. And they also brought Jacoby Myers, right? They brought Jacoby Myers over from. New England, so, you know, but he's not really a red zone guy. He's, you know, short little slot receiver, so, right. What's the next stat you got? I got defensive interceptions. We had Justin Simmons of the Broncos had six interceptions last year. Is he at the over or the under? Yeah, I so I went, I seen there was like four players tied. I For narrative sakes, I picked Tariq Woolen to go over. Tariq Woolen for the Seattle Seahawks, they just drafted. He had six of them last year. He, they drafted uh, Witherspoon at the five mark in the draft. So he is now going to, you know, I don't know whether Witherspoon's going to come in and face the ones or the twos. But either way, now that the, you know, most of the time when the, when you lead the interceptions like this, they just target the other side. Quarterbacks do. With Witherspoon there, there you know, you really can't target the other side. It's going to be kind of miniature le- Legion of Boom back there. I think Tariq Woolen has the skill set and the uh, uh, hands to get over six. Yeah, I didn't. I guess I, I should have looked into it because I'm just looking at these stat leaders here on Fox Sports and they just listed Justin Simmons, I guess, as number one. I'm not really for sure 
why they have him as number one over the other. Maybe because he played in less games, so he only played in 12 games and got okay. six interceptions um, versus, like, Woolen played in 17. I mean, I mean Mika Fitzpatrick yeah. had six, but he played in 15. So so maybe that's why, um, just because less games played, they, yeah. they put him. Um, but I'm going to say I'm going to say over. Oh, um, I'm going to I'm just going to say over. I'm going to Justin Simmons on the over there. I really like Justin Simmons a lot. Um, and so, uh, I mean, that's that's uh, intercepting is you, you think there'd be, you know, to be a lot easier to get interceptions. But for some reason, I feel like it's not. I feel like it's it's hard to get interceptions in the league. And so just just for fun, I don't have a reason why I don't have a reason why he shouldn't, though, um, either. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and pick pick the over. I'm going to say it gets at least seven. Cool. Cool. Both of us at smashing the over. Smash it, baby. Um, sacks. Nick Bosa had 18 and a half sacks. Does he hit the over or yes, the under? The over. I'm going over. We already talked about him a little bit. I believe this guy is the best defensive player in the league. I think this guy is the real deal in that Shanahan. I know they're getting a new defensive coordinator. I can't even think of it. Steve Wilkes, right? The old Arizona Cardinals head coach. He come over to be their defense coordinator. I could be wrong there. Don't quote me on that. But they got a new defense coordinator. But they had a new defense coordinator last year and the year before that. So it's fine. Nick Bosa is going to be fine, and he's going to he's going to play Matthew Stafford potentially, maybe Bryce Perkins, like who the Rams starting. He's going to play whoever the the Cardinals roll out there at Clayton Toon or or uh, what's the journeyman from Texas that the Cardinals have? I can't I think of him. McCoy. McCoy. Thank you, Quote McCoy. You know, he's going to play them, them, them people twice a year. So there's four games of easy sacks. He's going to get some gimmies in there with his schedule. Nick Bosa is the, the dude that defensive line is built. You know, he runs stunt, stunts, you know, where Miles Garrett just goes straight forward and he's powerful enough to do that. That defense takes their best player and runs stunts for him, which I think is ingenious. I think this is an easy over. I think, honestly, he might be on the verge of a sack record next year. 22 and a half. Can you get 22 there? 22 and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, I got to smash the over on this. I mean, I, I don't I don't really think the defensive coordinator matters when you're this talented. I mean, yes, scheme, scheme obviously is a big thing and it helps. But when you're this good, you don't really need a scheme. You just get after the quarterback. And you're able to do it regardless if you're stunting, if you're going inside, whether you're going outside, whatever it is, you're, you're just successful at getting the quarterback. And so Bosa... Nick Bosa has proved he's able to do that every single snap, every single year he's in the league. Um, I, I, I have, I, I have so much faith in Nick Bosa and that, that he would be able to smash the over here. So, um, I even like what you mentioned. I mean, just within the division, there's a lot of um, struggling teams within the division, especially on offensive line. That does not bode well whenever you're going up against the Four Arrows defense, especially Nick Bosa. So, I mean, there's going to be a couple of games where you can have, you know, a three or four set game probably. Um, to where he could maybe go for the record. I mean, it's 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 been a long time um, since since that's happened, right? Uh, T.J. Watt's the only one that's tied it, so it's him and Strahan up there at the top. Um, but we'll see if if Nick Bosa can sniff it and and maybe pass it. Yeah, yeah. And they brought in Hardgraves, right? One of the best run stopping D tackles. So so Nick Bosa doesn't really have to worry about stopping the run. He, you know, Kinlaw kind of that was his downside last year. Is they just you know, all the teams just ran at him, and Nick Bosa had to kind of take a take, you know his how he wins is his speed off the ball. So he had to take a step off and see where the running back was going. If Hardgraves plays as well as he did in Philly, he can just one hundred percent sniff out that quarterback. 
Big, big year for Nick Bosa loading. Big year for Nick Bosa loading. Yes. But um, well, that's all the stat leaders that I got for you here, Chase. So perfect. Um, perfect. That's gonna that's gonna wrap up that segment, and it's gonna wrap up here our show for this. Excuse me, this week. Um, great, great, um, great episode here talking football, head coaches, stat leaders. Um, just kind of talking about some, some different things here. So, um, as always, appreciate you guys for listening. If you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, and share, 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 share. Um, we'd love to, to get out to more people. So if you enjoy talking football and you enjoy our uh, listening to us talk about football, um, I know Chase kind of has a, a weird voice and it's hard to listen to, but it's okay. <laughs> if, if I can put up with it, you guys can put up with it too. Um, but I appreciate you guys listening here. Um, we got some more stuff here that, that we're rolling out. It's it's tough here in these months, but we only have about a little over a month before football finally starts. I think August 11th is the first official preseason game. So we're just, it's the fifth. So we're just under, under a month, two weeks training camp starts. So we're finally get um, um, some more things to talk about here, more, more football action. So excited to, to keep bringing that to you. Um, but as always, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next time here on all things football.